Another rare Saturday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement is upon us, as there were too many distractions to complete the work on Friday. It is the hope to one day have each and every episode come out at a consistent time. Each installment of the program is a test of the orbital mechanics that would be required to attain such a goal. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I know again there is much in the universe to observe, and I'm hoping to always expand my capacity to do so. On today's edition, a former member of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors has died. Charlottesville awards a contract to replace the Derry Road Bridge. The 2023 session of the General Assembly is almost over, and dozens of bills are headed to Governor Yunkin for signatures, including legislation on green jobs, cloud computing, and innovative power. The University of Virginia Foundation plans to renovate the Birdwood Mansion and add space there for outdoor events. And finally, Albemarle County supervisors are presented with a $551.5 million budget for fiscal year 24. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, WTJU 91.1 FM is a volunteer-powered radio station staffed by hundreds of volunteer hosts sharing their passion for music. You can become a volunteer host, too. WTJU's classical department is especially looking for new volunteers. You just need to be curious and excited about music, but no previous radio experience is necessary or expected. Learn more and apply at wtju.net slash get dash involved. And in a second shout-out to start the show, on March 1st at 7 p.m., the Piedmont Group of the Sierra Club is screening a film called Earth Emergency about the threats from feedback loops as more greenhouse gases are pumped into the atmosphere. The short film features Richard Gere and Greta Thunberg. The event is virtual, and you can learn more on the Sierra Club's website. A man who served three terms on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors and one term on the Albemarle School Board has died at the age of 75. Kenneth C. Boyd left office at the end of 2015 after representing the Rivanna District as supervisor for 12 years and moved to North Carolina sometime afterward. That's according to an obituary published in the Charlottesville Daily Progress. Boyd is a native of Washington, D.C., who moved to Albemarle County in the early 80s for a job at Jefferson National Bank. He went into business for himself as a financial planner and got involved with politics soon after. Boyd was elected to the Rivanna District on the school board in 1999. He defeated Democrat Peter Halleck in the 2003 supervisor race with 52.56% of the vote and posted similar narrow victories in 2007 and 2011. A memorial service to his life will be held in Southport, North Carolina, on March 18th. For many years, the city has been planning and preparing to replace a bridge that carries Derry Road over the U.S. 250 bypass. On Thursday, the city awarded a designed-build contract to the firm A. Morton & Associates. Here's a section from a press release that went out in January. 
In this method, the designer and builder work on the same team from preliminary design to project closeout. This method allows better communication of intent and constructability right from the start. The two-lane bridge was built in 1954, according to a database maintained by the Federal Highway Administration. The official estimate for the project is $7.211 million, according to the Virginia Department of Transportation. Under this scenario, A. Morton and Associates will both design and build the bridge. This eliminates one step in the process, and the city is hopeful it will bring down the overall cost. This will be the first such design-build project in Charlottesville. That press release from January said the goal is to have the replacement in place by December 2023. The end of the 2023 General Assembly regular session is nigh! Though the Richmond Times-Dispatch does report that the actual end will be delayed due to the delay of a printing of the budget that still needs to be voted upon. But the House and delegates and the Senate have met late this week to take actions on bills that have passed in both chambers, but in slightly different forms. This report is being written the morning of February 25th, so I'm limiting myself to what's made it out of the conference committees to be adopted. Here are some of the interesting bills that have gone through the process that are now waiting for Governor Glenn Youngkin's signature. The list of definitions for green job that can qualify a business for tax credits could be expanded. HB 2178 would add coal mine methane to the list. Under this program, businesses get a $500 tax credit for every job created that has an annual salary of at least $50,000. The Senate agreed to the bill on a 39 to 1 vote, while the House of Delegates passed it on a 66 to 26 vote. There may be a new beer license for those who want to distribute less than 500 barrels of beer each year. This license would technically be held by a new nonprofit to be created by the Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services. HB 2258 passed the House on a 97 to 2 vote and unanimously in the Senate. Members of the National Guard would see an increase in the tax credit they receive for their service from $3,000 a year to $5,500 a year. The original bill had the amount of $5,000 but was increased during the legislative process. This passed both chambers unanimously, though some delegates did not vote. A tax credit available for farmers for donation of food crops or food products for donation would be renewed until the end of 2027. This also passed unanimously. Legislation to create something called the Cloud Computing Cluster Infrastructure Grant Fund did not pass unanimously, but did so with a heavy majority at least. The bill would exempt data centers from sales tax when they purchase or lease computer equipment. There's a lot of detail about how the exemption can be maintained if a certain number of high-paying jobs are created. Anyone interested in data centers should take a look at the details on the amended HB 2479, which passed the House of Delegates on an 87 to 11 vote with one abstention and passed the Senate 35 to 4. Both Delegate Sally Hudson and Delegate Nick Freitas voted against the bill. Delegate Rob Bell voted for it. And finally, SB 1464 would create the Virginia Power Innovation Fund, 
which would award competitive grants for research into energy technologies, including hydrogen, carbon capture and utilization, and energy storage. This would also generate funding for the creation of a Virginia Energy Innovation Hub. The bill passed the Senate 39 to 1 and the House 90 to 4. Many more bills have otherwise been signed by the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate. That includes a bill to expand the eligibility for the Brown v. Board of Education Scholarship Program, a bill to give landlords more time to present an itemized list of damages to tenants upon their move-out, and a bill to expand state payments for the upkeep of African-American cemeteries. There's a full list of these things in a link in the newsletter with the blue line, and otherwise I will keep reporting bits and pieces of the General Assembly as I can. Every now and then, there are items in the Albemarle County land use documents that may not rise to a full news story, but may be worth telling you about anyway. Here's three particular items. A zoning clearance has been filed for a convenience store at 777 Monacan Trail, three quarters of a mile southwest of the interchange between I-64 and US-29. There used to be a previous convenience store at this location called Hickory Hill. The new business would be called El Taco Naco Store. This will also need to go through the Architectural Review Board. The University of Virginia Foundation has filed plans for the rehabilitation of the Birdwood Mansion, including additional space for outdoor events. The site plan shows a small addition to the existing mansion, as well as dedicated space for three tents on enhanced gardens. And finally, Riverbend Development has filed for a rezoning for nearly 33 acres of undeveloped land in Crozet along the future Eastern Avenue connector. The proposal is to rezone from single-family residential to planned residential development at a scale of six units per acre for a maximum of 134 units. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and the continued existence of this website means that many of you support local information. Would you like to support some other local businesses as well? Well, the Buy Local campaign is in full swing, and both the Albemarle and Charlottesville offices of economic development want people to consider spending locally as they shop throughout the year. The Buy Local campaign highlights small businesses within Charlottesville and Albemarle County through a multi-channel, multimedia, promotional, and educational campaign designed to reinforce how important supporting area small businesses is to the local economy. This campaign is going on in locally owned independent businesses with a brick and mortar presence in the city or county who are interested in being featured in the campaign should visit www.showlocallove.org or contact info at showlocallove.org. For more information on the Buy Local campaign, visit showlocallove.org or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. But I'm not going to Twitter. That stuff's garbage. One more big story today, and it's one I've been meaning to get to, and now here it is. The process of adopting a budget is underway in Albemarle County, 
with the release this week of County Executive Jeffrey Richardson's nearly $551.5 million budget for fiscal year 2024. A public hearing will be held on March 1st before a series of work sessions where the six members of the Board of Supervisors will go through the document line by line. Here is County Executive Jeffrey Richardson. This budget is balanced on the same tax rates as the current year. That includes the personal property tax rate, which will remain at the lowered rate of $3.42 per $100 of assessed value. The real property tax rate will remain at 0.854 cents per $100 of assessed value. The average real property assessment was up 13.46%, generating an additional $27,262,905. The equalized tax rate is 75.3 cents per $100 of assessed value. That's the tax rate that it would take to keep the budget flat, State code requires this figure to be presented to the public. The title of this budget is Activating the Strategic Plan to Strengthen Our Foundation. Supervisors adopted their latest strategic plan last October, as I wrote about at the time. The strategic plan differs from the comprehensive plan in that it is a method of organizing the priorities for Albemarle County staff. The six general strategic planning areas are safety and well-being resilient, equitable, and engaged community, infrastructure and placemaking, quality of life, education and learning, and workforce and customer service. The budget is also informed by an economic outlook delivered to supervisors on October 5th, 2022 by Dr. Cheryl Bailey, a visiting economist at Virginia Tech. This board gave her over an hour of your time in a work session, and she talked to us about the national economy, the state economy, forward forward focus of what do we need to be looking for. And so one major takeaway was that Albemarle County's economy generally follows the state and national trends. And it's prudent for Albemarle County to anticipate economic cooling in the year to two-year period ahead. Dr. Bailey is still consulting with budget staff on the macroeconomic drivers. One of the biggest drivers is increasing inflation. While it has gone down month over month for the first time in a year, it still remains uh, at 6.5% over the last 12 months. That's an issue for us. It's an issue issue for private sector. It's an issue for Albemarle County government. And it's an issue for our partner agencies. Those partner agencies include the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority, Charlottesville Area Transit, Jaunt, the Emergency Communications Center, the Jefferson-Madison Regional Library, and the Charlottesville-Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau. He said the formulas and agreements that provide the revenue to those organizations are requiring an additional $3 million for those groups. Richardson said the cost of projects in the Capital Improvement Program are anticipated to cost an additional $38 million. Our capital needs have not gone away in the past year, and the percentage increase in cost outpaces our revenues. And so in this budget, I will increase the transfer. It's recommended to increase the transfer to the the capital program over and above formula by $16.7 million. That's one-time funding going to the capital program to cover the increased cost without having to slow down our progress or scale back projects in order to meet our strategic priorities. 
Overall, the proposed budget for fiscal year 24 is smaller than the one that was proposed for fiscal year 23. That's in part because federal funding generated by the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan Act have now both expired, and because there will be less revenue from the sale of bonds in fiscal year 24. But where does all the money go? 57% of our money goes to public schools. 50 to operations, four to school capital, and three to school debt. 57% goes to public schools. Richardson said the recommended fiscal year 24 budget fully funds Superintendent Matthew Haas's school request and adds an additional $14.6 million in new revenue to the schools due to a formula. The five-year capital plan anticipates $194 million for capital projects, including two elementary schools and high school center two, as well as an expansion at Mountain View Elementary School. Richardson said the recommended budget will pay for the full cost to upfit the former JCPenney building at Fashion Square Mall to serve as fleet maintenance for the police department and the fire rescue department. In addition to that, in the police department, we've got added in the budget three new police officers and one support position. I've also added in the budget a third round of safer grant uh, requests. Richardson said this will continue the trend of hiring more paid rescue and fire personnel, and this request is for 35 positions. The county will find out in the summer if the grant will be awarded to cover startup costs. The budget funds a new bailing facility for the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority to make paper recycling more efficient and cost-effective. The operational costs for the new Southern Convenience Center that will open later this year are fully funded. Next year, under Quality of Life Board, we're planning to open Biscuit Run. We're planning to open a park. It's the Ravana Village Park. It's in eastern Albemarle County. We are going to do internal planning for an urban uh, pocket park. We've not determined where that's going to be, but it will be in the urban ring. There's $3.9 million that will go to the county's housing fund. There's also funding for economic development efforts to help further implement the Project Enable strategic plan. This is one area that can have an effect on our overall tax base. Commercial activity can reduce the reliance on the real property tax. A 4% increase in salaries for county employees is also built into the budget. Additionally, a compensation study is being reviewed, and Richardson said there is additional funding to cover the cost of implementation. Those topics will be the subject of a work session on March 29th. Budgets can be very confusing. A key thing for people to know is that the county's financial management policies include a practice of requiring a fund balance of 10% of the operating budget at the end of a fiscal year. In recent years, a second policy to set aside an additional percentage for a budget stabilization reserve has increased from 1% to 2%. Here's Nelsie Birch, the county's finance director. We keep that in the event that we need it for unexpected reasons. So we never intend to, to spend the rainy day fund, which is the 10%. That 2%, the reason we wanted to increase it last year was because we knew that this economic uncertainty was going to happen. So it isn't a surplus, like an ongoing surplus. It's a protected um, 
uh, reserve to help us not have to go back and cancel programming and cancel things that you all have said you want to do in our budget. For instance, Birch said the county drew down $7 million from the fund balance in fiscal year 22 to balance the budget. These policies are part of what keeps the agencies that rate Albemarle's bond as AAA rating it as AAA, and that means lower interest rates on debt service. Now, some dates. In addition to the March 1st public hearing in the evening session, there will be a series of work sessions beginning on March 8th. On March 15th, supervisors will vote on the tax rates to advertise for adoption. The March 22 work session will include a discussion on transit. Adoption of the budget is set for May 3rd. Supervisors largely reserved questions for the work sessions. Supervisor Donna Price had this observation. This is really appears to be the first year that we actually will have a regular budget process. Because in 2020, in February, we sat here, and within two weeks, we went from presentation much like this to a pandemic. More on the budget as things go through. Any questions? Let me know. That's what I'm here for. This stuff is confusing, and I've been writing about it for a long time, and... Let me know if you have any questions. A challenge. Thanks for listening or reading. Listening encouraged. A way to make sure the new ending podcast works out well is to keep this part really short. So thank you, readers. Thank you, paid subscribers. Want to help keep the show going? Pay for a paid subscription. Friends at Ting will match it, whether at the $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year level. That latter gets shout-outs and admittedly covers the cost for others who either can't pay or don't pay. The show's middle name is Community. Literally! Ting likes that, and they sponsor. Want to know how? Listen again for details. Thanks, Rocky. Rocky.